Hi, I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. Welcome to Stages Podcast, where we're bringing creation and connection to center stage. No, we just recorded. We literally just recorded what? 10 or we didn't record 10 minutes of pure unadulterated gold conversation. Mary Lee forgot to press record. (sighs) You know what? I cannot believe it. Thank God it was you and not another guest, like a guest guest, like that we can't ask to do again. I know. Thank God you had a second rate guest host. (laughs) (laughs) So that your technical difficulties weren't an issue. I caramba. Okay, go back. Welcome to Stages Podcast Tony Awards Special. We're mixing it up today and we have brought in a special guest host. But before I introduce our host, I would like to tell you, Stephanie is presenting at the Tony Awards tonight. So I asked her to come and talk to us about her experience being nominated three times for Tony Awards and what it felt like to win for the Share Show. But let me introduce our guest host. He is most recognizable from his roles on television in the show's Madam Secretary and House of Cards. You would recognize his voice from his extensive voiceover work. He was on Broadway in Elf the Musical, A Time to Kill, Good Vibrations, Rent, and he met his beautiful wife playing the role of Fiero in Wicked. Yes, you guessed it. Sebastian Arcellus. I do have to say he's most recognizable in a big sloppy sweatshirt. Um, his voice is most recognizable when he's like, honey, do you know where the honey? Have you seen the? Yeah, that all was, true. Yeah, all true. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm happy to be here today on Tony Day. Hi, babes. And I'm happy to, hi. Happy to celebrate you, my love. Oh, thank you. Well, you know. Tonight's not about me per se, but this little podcast is today. So go ahead, make it about me. Well, if I were were going to be introducing you as a guest, I would say the reigning Tony Award winner for leading actress in a musical, Mm -hmm. two and a half years running, Uh Stephanie J. Block. That's right. That's right. Is it going to be tough to step down from that from that role, Missy? No, I think the world really was the great equalizer and making me put my ego in check, put all the expectations in check and just go, hey, look, we're still breathing and we're healthy. So, you know, it's okay. I'm happy to be the asterisk with the little footnote at the bottom of a musical theater textbook saying that, you know, I won the award and then two and a half years passed before the the Tonys um, rewarded another actress. But I certainly am excited to see the community. And I am excited to be a part of that energy and the celebration for the Broadway season of, I think it's, (laughs) we're going to have to check, but I think it's 2019, 2020 Broadway season. So I think we all have our different losses, our different disappointments, our different understandings, because, you know, the pandemic was the great pause or the great equalizer. It's really shocking when you think about the way, you know, we grew up thinking that, uh, you know, New York never sleeps and the show must go on. I remember there was that one snowstorm and blackout. I remember that. Five, 10 years ago. 
where the sh- you know shows were dark for a night, and that was unheard of. To think unheard that we've of. Come to this place is truly shocking. But uh, bit by bit, theater is coming back, and uh, it's going to come back in full force. And that's and that night will be a real celebration of that. I think having all of you together. Uh, I'm glad that you're going to New York to be there for it. I love watching all of these videos that have been coming out from the audience members' point of view when the shows are coming back one by one and the people are going insane. And to think how it would feel to be on that stage and feel that right now, that would just be incredible. It's such a cool thing. Such a rush. Did you watch them? Always? You'll always Always. watch them? Ever since I was little. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I mean, no, only my mom would occasionally watch them with me. Mostly it was just me like praying that no one would take the TV away. Cause you know, you have one TV in your house back then. No clickers, right. You have to walk up and, and go tunk, 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 right. tunk to change and the no channel. VCRs, so if you <laughs> no, miss it, there's none no of like, that. recording it. That's right. No. In real time. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I always watched it and dreamed, dreamed that one day I would know what it was like to be a part of that world. And it felt so far away when I was little, you know, but we've mm-hmm. talked about this in other podcasts, how I say to Seb all the time, those things are not that far away. It's not that far as you think. And if you just start moving towards something and every day do one thing to put yourself toward That's that right. dream, you'll get there. It's, you know, you don't know when, but it's usually faster than you think. I mean, I lived, you know, 15 miles from Manhattan in um, on Long Island most of my life. And despite the fact that I went to the theater fairly often and it was a part of our life, I never grew up watching the Tonys. It was like oh, this really? weird little disconnect where um, I loved musical theater. I loved performing. I loved going to shows, but I wasn't tuned into the whole ether of it. You know, I sort of discovered shows along the way, but I, I, I didn't, we didn't sit down around the TV and watch the Tony Awards. Um, was Sunday was, about soccer for you? Was Sunday about politics for you? Like, uh, what was we it about? We took uh, little day trips. We were a little traveling family. We have little um, day trips to Princeton, New Jersey, or to the Catskills or whatnot, yeah. um, or, or sports. Yeah. Uh, or homework. I mean, I, I, I sort of, I just didn't really know about the whole culture until moving to New York myself. It did seem far away. It did seem not necessarily impossible, but, you know, way far out in the, the ethers that I would keep working toward. Like you said, Mary Lee, you know, I, I have always been trained to work towards something truthfully and truthfully means you have to account for what you're doing day in and day out to get toward those dreams. And even when I was 11 or 12, I had my five-year plan, my 10-year plan. Now I thought I'd win a Tony at 21 or 22, even though I'm (laughs) saying it seemed unattainable. My dream journals and all of that stuff would say, you know, by 21, I would take Broadway by storm. And we know that didn't happen. I think I was 46. But you brought that little piece of paper that you wrote in when you were a kid right up on stage with you when you accepted that award. So you're the epic planner. We're, you know, planning way ahead of time, five year, 10 year. How about 30 years? It did not even an epic planner, but an epic saver. I had that journal entry still and knew where that little journal was. That's incredible. That's an organized woman. And that's what that's the importance with which those dream journals and goal setting journals held for me because, you know, Seb always reminds me, why did we start? You know, what started that 
what was the tinder that started that flame? And if we could always go back mm. and remember that fire, hopefully we won't get jaded. Hopefully we won't take it for granted. I remember too, in my audition book, where you have your repertoire of music and your monologues and whatever, Seb and I were cleaning out an apartment and we found all these really sweet letters that he typed by hand individually to each summer stock company or, you know, repertory company saying, hello, my name is Sebastian Arcellus. And I think I'd be really good for your season because I see that you're putting on such and such. And these beautifully personalized letters that were so, um, they just were so Sebastian, how open he was, how honest he was, uh, how earnest he was. And so then I printed my music, my audition music on the back of those letters to always remind me that Aww. there's we're seeking, you know, we were out there asking and searching and wanting so desperately. So desperate would probably side. desperate would probably be the it did. The, there was a little bit well of desperation, a little well reeking of desperation. I was trying to, you know, connect it's always been about connection, you know, even beyond yeah. just the appointment. I was like, I want to connect to this season. Of course, the directors might not have felt the same way, but it is important to remember, you're, like you said, where you're coming from and what that yeah. original um, intention was. And Did those letters was, ever work, Seb? Did anybody ever reach back I mean, out to you? Not often. Not no. often. I mean, I would say that for every 10 you sent out, maybe you got one or two responses back. Hey, but, those odds nowadays are not so bad, babe. Yeah. So 20% response rate is not so bad. And it but was my truth. You know, I was, I was just sort of, I was reaching out. Then the essence of them, as you said, was your truth. And that's what we always have to keep coming back to, you know? And I think even with the Tonys, the expectation or the want or looking toward the end result of winning an award isn't going to get you there. It's mm -hmm. the truth of doing the work every day. It's the truth of checking in with your spirit and your soul and saying, does this still feed me in a way that nothing else does? It's finding the truth in the character, finding the truth in the in all of it. And if you stick to that truth and the mm -hmm. integrity of it, then where you lead or where it leads you is exactly where you're meant to be. So I get this question a lot of, you know, were you nervous um, when you were accepting your award? If I had to answer this, maybe with the nomination of Edwin Drood or with the nomination of Falsettos, the answer may have been different. But when it came to share, I felt like I had been a part of the community for so long and that I really felt like they were lifting me up and I could look out in the audience and say, oh, I know them, or I was at their wedding, or they babysat Vivi, or so that community, that spirit of really knowing this community and not mm -hmm. feeling like a foreigner or someone on the outskirts or someone who just happened to get it right or get it lucky in that season, I was able to be in my skin. I was able to look at people's faces and take in every breath and every moment. I will say that one thing that still will wake me up at night and I still beat myself up about is that being so in the moment and looking at people's faces, I got off track with what was the original sort of outline of my speech. Mm. And I forgot to thank my blood sister. And I forgot to thank the two other actors that shared the stage with me as Cher, Teal Wicks mm -hmm. and Michaela Diamond. And these three women were such an integral part of my life and my performance. And it was like right at the crux of my speech. And then 
I lost it completely. And as soon as I walked off stage, I just started kind of emotionally beating myself up and apologizing to anybody who would listen. And you, you still know, you are. Go, I know. Yeah, really? It's, no. eating away at you. it still does because I had that moment. I had that platform and I had always prided myself on being one of those that would share, you know, share in the applause, share in the, the opportunities. And that moment was there. And somehow in the blink of an eye, in a hiccup, it was gone. When you finally find yourself on center stage and you're looking at that countdown number, is it, it's beaten down. I'm surprised that anybody in the, in, in the midst of that emotion can speak in any coherent manner. And what you said, how you said it, and the heart behind it was remarkable. And I, I, and I think your sister's all feel the same way. And those two women had been working with you long enough to know who oh, you yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> you would Thank you. never, Thank you ever have excluded them intentionally ever. Heavens, of course no. not. And anyone no. who works with you knows that. It's, Do you remember it's that obvious. night? It went really, really long. Like I believe the awards were supposed to end at 11 p.m. They always run a little long, but they hadn't announced best actor in a musical, best actress in a musical, best revival, best play, or best musical. And it was mm -hmm. 11 o'clock. So as soon as my name was said as winning, Audra McDonald introduced the category and then said my name. As soon as I stepped up there, it, was, it wasn't even a countdown. It said, wrap it up, wrap it up. I hadn't even oh said one God. thing because they wanted this show to end. So that was also a little um, yeah, that's nerve orienting, but yeah. I kept saying, you, you just breathe, little lady. This is, this is your time. So just breathe and take it in. So but I want to go back, like, tell me, tell me about, for those of us who have never been nominated for a Tony Award, who, you know, but love the theater, I, I want to hear all the details. Like, what happens from the day you get the call and find out you're nominated? Like, what happens? I mean, the, the dresses come and the makeup artists come and <laughs> the jewelry comes. I want to hear it all. Okay. I had to learn under fire because I didn't know either. It happens pretty quickly. You know, if you're nominated or not nominated quickly. So it starts with a Tony nominating committee. I believe there are 20 some people in that committee. They are from the Broadway world. Then it expands to the voting committee. And that is several hundreds of people that span all the way throughout the country. And they usually come in during the winter months and the early spring to see the shows. So there's that. Then the nominations come out in, it's either late April or the first week of May, depending on how the season fares. Nominations come out on a Tuesday morning. If your phone isn't ringing, unless you're waking up at five o'clock in the morning, Eastern time or 8 a.m., you know, uh, pardon me, 5 a.m. Pacific time or 8 a.m. Eastern time, your phone will ring or doesn't ring. If you haven't heard anybody by 8.15 in the morning, you've not been nominated. If your phone starts blowing up, then, you know, you know, that first time around, Seb was doing House of Cards and we decided to get in a car on Tuesday morning, very early in the morning to drive down, drive down or up, babes, where's Baltimore? Down, 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 down. down to Baltimore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> geography. Geography is hard, people. Um, down to Baltimore. And then by about 8.15, my phone started to ring. I and I was thrilled. We were exactly where we were. We were driving down 9th Avenue before it sort of becomes 9th, um, uh, right around Lincoln Center, phone rang. And you found out and you had every 
you know, with, with the, the, the craziness that comes that ensues after being nominated, um, you could have popped out, you know, on the corner, you know, 10 blocks later and started that whole process, but instead being such an important and special moment, you said, I'm riding with you all the way down to Baltimore so we can share in this kind of moment together. Together. Which is so sweet. Yeah. And then she literally we got to Baltimore and she hopped on Amtrak. And but I back. because I didn't know Mary Lee. That I love you, Seb. I I love that you think oh, my heart is went, so I huge that I was like, let's yeah. just ride for four hours. It's because I didn't know what the next day brought. So, you know, Seb's telling everybody at every <laughs> gas station, my wife was just nominated for Tony. We went Aww. to lunch, my wife. And Tim's like, my agent, you're coming back, right? And I was like, no, why? Because Edwin Drew had closed, right? Why am I coming back? He's like, there is a massive press junket tomorrow morning. You have to be at the Marriott Marquis for a massive press junket. And I was like, what? What am I going to wear? <laughs> and so Seb and me, I, I remember we're in a restaurant and you're looking at train tickets to get me back home. So that's what happens. You immediately, you get the, you get the nomination, either the, the press representative from your show, which our show was closed, Roundabout Theater Company has someone who represents them, but either your press representative for the show or your individual press representative or your agent starts reaching out and saying, Broadway.com would like to speak with you. The CBS News would like to speak with you. New York One would like to speak with you and get like sort of first reactions, right? How are you feeling? So they do little interviews. And do, do you have to say yes to all of those interviews or can you kind of say, look, I'll do five or is that You know what? If done? you're Patty Lapone, you can say, no, thanks. If you're Stephanie J. Block and it's your first you know, yeah, nomination, you, just do it. you say yes. So then that happens. It's, a, it's like a full-time it's, job. It is like, job. it is like a full-time job. And then there are all sorts of really wonderful, well, then there are other award ceremonies in the crocs uh, in the six weeks of leading up to the Tony Awards. So if you are lucky enough to be nominated for Drama Desk or Out of Critics, then you have that whole mini circus that's taking place of different luncheons and different press opportunities and award ceremonies. So you do, as ridiculous in this day and age as it sounds, you do have to have sort of an arsenal of different clothes and shoes that are comfortable enough and jewelry, you know, you have to make yourself presentable. It's just kind of part of the gig, unless you're Francis McDormand, which could be me in the next couple of years. I'm like, I'm putting on a sundress and a denim coat and we're doing it. But with Cher, I got smart. With Cher, I got smart. One, because thank you producers for having the budget <laughs> to kind of do the glam that was necessary for the whole awards season. And I think they thought it was important because of who I was playing. It's synonymous, you know, fashion, style, brand, it aligns itself with share. So you couldn't just have New Jersey housewife showing up to present herself at all of these affairs without looking like something. And so I was very fortunate that the producers had sort of a piggy bank for what they call glam. And that's a stylist and that's hair and makeup for every single event. And it sounds glamorous, but when you are still doing those eight shows a week and you're having to show up at the theater at perhaps 7.30 in the morning, which means you're getting on a train at 5.30 or 6 a.m. to be in the chair for glam for two and a half hours to present yourself on Good Morning America or any of the morning shows or any of the press stuff that you have to do, it's a, it's, it's a lot of work. It feels great. And in retrospect, when you look back, you're like, 
son of a biscuit, did I look good. But, <laughs> you know, it takes a lot of people and a lot of time and a lot of money. I thought it was a beautiful touch, though, that on the actual night, you decided to go with a Bob Mackie dress for the event itself. I did. I did. I just thought I would be so remiss if I didn't approach Bob Mackie and say, what you got? And he said, oh, my darling, I have many things. I'm very busy. So I think it would have to be a vintage. And oh, that got me even more exciting. Right? <laughs> oh, a bummer. Vintage Bob oh. Yeah, he didn't have time to design and sort of, you know, put together a brand new piece of art for me. But he brought about seven different gowns of different shades and completely different structure and sizes. And I wasn't planning on landing on this beautiful black gown. But when I put it on, I jeepers. felt, yeah, I felt jeepers. I felt like a warrior. I felt strong, but feminine. I felt a great possession of myself and my confidence. And I thought this, if it happens, this is truly what I want to be wearing and how I want to represent myself, share and the share show is in this dress. So it really all came together beautifully. Did you ever think that you would win a Tony Award for the role of Cher? No, no way. You really no didn't way. think you were going to no. win. You thought there was no, no. chance. Well, I mean, the closer I, mean, sort of- I got, the closer I got to awards season, um, I-, I was starting to feel like, holy mackerel, this has become far more than I ever expected it to. But when I said yes to the role and when I was doing the workshops and the out of town and all of that, Hell no. I'm you talking 10 s- years ago. No, no, no way. That is also like the craziness of our industry is like ha- most 80, 90% of the time when you think you have a path set out for yourself, our industry, the phone rings, you pick up the phone and you're like, what? What is this? It's stuff you can't even fathom or imagine. And the share show playing share, I could never have imagined. Falsetto's seemed to be the performance in my career thus far that I would have thought or oh, big statement or even still look back on and say, that was the work that I hope defines who I am in the fabric of Broadway. That character, that specific cast, the number of breaking down, which felt like a, a real moment. Um, But when I look at Cher, I was like, well, it could have gone two ways. Had I not fulfilled what the fans and the critics and the people were expecting of someone who who was going to play the role of Cher, it could have ended really badly. But since I lived up to my um, sort of work contract by me saying, yes, I'll accept this role. This is what I'm going to fulfill. This is how I'm going to play her. And I will do it to the best of my ability. That was just one piece of the pie. Then you have Bob Mackey's costumes, Jason's, Jason Moore's direction, Rick Ellis's script, the lighting, which was unbelievable. The whole thing just came together that I think helped catapult my performance. Does that make well, sense? It does. But I'll also say, I think you're selling yourself a bit short because you didn't just meet an expectation in my mind. I mean, I thought you transcended the sort of limits of, of, of what you, th- how we think about the limitations of playing a real life character and transcended mm-hmm. it and made it your own so that we divorced it in a way 
from you and from her. And it was something of its own. I also think every step along the way, all those moments where I thought you did work that was Tony worthy, it all contributed to your being comfortable enough, I think, in one sense to say no to share a couple of times. Mm. You're like, I, this is not for me. And then also comfortable enough in another sense to take it on and throw caution to the wind and really embrace it. Um, which led to, you know, if I were a Tony voter, I'm biased, but it being this, <laughs> and with all due respect to, to everyone that was nominated who gave extraordinary performances, it was sort of this undeniable marriage of you to this role, to this moment, and, 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 and the rest is history. Will you tell your listeners about your theory of the fourth wall? Your Tony oh. Award fourth wall theory? <laughs> I do have a theory. Now, everybody, you're going to start to pay attention if you're a theater-going person. If the actor breaks the fourth wall, they will be nominated for a Tony. There is an outreach. There is a, a, an engagement, a communal engagement that just happens and makes the actor far more winning. And there's just something about the understanding and the experience. If you can break that fourth wall and start talking to your audience. It's true. Check the theory that. out. It's I mean, shocking. Of course, Hugh Jackman, right? Yeah. Jersey Boys. Yeah. Sean Hayes, Promises, Promises. Um, it, it really is. It's a real thing. And I think that device, uh, that subliminal, ooh, they're talking to me. Ooh, I'm a part of it. Ooh, I feel like I get to know them. Ooh, there's a deeper understanding. And because I was such, not just a spectator in the play, but part of it, mm, it, it just, yeah. it, it pulls you in, in a different way. Yeah. So that's my theory. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> it's not, it's not tested and, and tried, but mm, I think it's pretty accurate. From now on, you need to start accepting roles only that break. Or well, once the director and everybody leaves, I just start looking to the audience, <laughs> winking and telling them, hey, y'all. A little wave. <laughs> yeah, just a little. I see you. You see me. Okay, this isn't in the script, but guess what? I need another nomination. <laughs> hey, when you guys think back to Tony uh, performances in the past, do you have any in history that stick out to you as sort of indelible performances or shows that you've only really seen footage of from when they were on the Tonys? Because back in the day, one of the great things about the Tony Awards was that they would have entire scenes, not just yeah, musical right, right, numbers. Right. That's and right. so some of us that never got to see the show or haven't had a chance to dig into archives, we're actually seeing glimpses of things live um, through the telecast. I've obviously not having seen many Tony Awards back in the day, I've, I've watched a lot on YouTube and and there are some that stick out. For instance, Michael Jeter in Grand Hotel. Grand Hotel. So oh, I was yeah. going to say that too. I, I never saw that in, you know, live and in person, but oh my gosh, that moment in the Tonys was, it was so showbiz and theatrical and hilarious and wonderful. I will really say great. Jennifer Holiday in Dreamgirls oh. on the mm. Tonys. Absolutely. I mean, that is indelibly marked in my brain and my heart. You know, what was one of the, the greatest opening was that Neil Patrick Harris opening when he, I mean, he really was amazing in that opening. Yeah. I love that He did that so one. many magic tricks and was like yeah. all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Was that I the first we, year you were nominated? Yeah, for? we were in the audience yeah. for that. Yeah. That must have been really it fun was, to be in the audience for. It's so, so wacky because I think of 
you know, I have so many different chapters and understandings, stages of the Tonys. So watching them as a kid, then being in shows, but not being nominated, whether personally or the show itself, but being maybe perhaps in the opening number or being asked to perform. And then what? from that point on, you know, um, either in the audience as the nominee or on stage performing or or both, and then to be a winner. So that's kind of been these, you know, stages. And I'll take you back to the first time we went to the Tonys. Now, I had never been to the Tonys, not as a performer or a viewer until you were first nominated for Drood. And we were about to walk from the back of the house into the orchestra section. And I pulled you back for a second and we held hands mm-hmm. and we both looked at each other. And then we looked down at that red carpet and looked out over the stage. And it was a reminder for a moment to breathe in and kind of release expectation and enjoy right. the moment and where we're at. The interesting thing is that that's what life is, right? We, we put mm-hmm. expectations on things. I, I read the other day, expectations are simply resentments waiting to happen, which I just, I just loved that. I wow. thought it was brilliant. Ooh. But because we're human, we put expectations on things. We put them on ourselves. We put them on people around us. If we do something kind for someone, even if we tell ourselves it's just out of kindness and we expect nothing in return, there's a part of you that has a tiny expectation. When you do all the work for a show, there's a part of you, no matter how evolved you are, you're human. Right. You want to be recognized. You want to be right. seen. You want to be rewarded in some way. We do it every day in little ways and big ways. And the difficulty is that you're then doing it in the public eye and you're being judged for your reactions to things or or your non-reactions to things. And I think that's just being human. Of course, you're going to have conflicting relationships with all of these things. And the arts, it's just something different, right? There's always something subjective to it. It's not like you answered every question right and therefore you get the A+. It's not like you made this four goals and the other team made the one and so you win and you get the trophy. It's not just based on merit and checking off the boxes. There's right. subjective. There's a lot of other influences. Politics. Whole, yep, there are politics. There are. There's a whole other world of different components that are going on well beyond your performance or your design or your production. And you have to release that because you can't control it. And so it's that constant fight between there is no one and one equals two. It just Mm -hmm. doesn't exist in our business. There is no linear understanding of the arts, just isn't. And yet when you walk by the office and you see that little twirly thing there shining in the sun, does it feel pretty good? It's it's a real complicated relationship with awards, with Tony, because so many beautiful memories come flooding in with it, but then also a lot of sort of feeling of inadequacies and feeling of that was the past. Now what's to, to be like, it's a reminder of so many things. It, and you know me, Seb, I'm all about not necessarily possessions, but signs, reminders, how this affects my life. What, it, what does it represent? The time, the people, the feelings, the energies. And this is, this award is really a confluence of 30 some years of a whole bunch of stuff, messy, beautiful, dignified, not so dignified. And she sits there. I will say, wow, I I could cry a little bit. I am nervous 
to be back in New York. I'm nervous to step on stage at the Tonys because the last time I was there, what I was embodying and what I represented, whether that was share or internal confidence, outward confidence, a really beautiful place spiritually and emotionally, I was, I felt more together in my life than I had been in a very long time. And now I'm walking back into that community. And even though 18 months have passed, I do believe there will be an expectation of just all of us dropping back into where we left off. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. been a lot of time and a lot of life and a lot of sadness and a lot of want and a lot of feeling grateful. There's just been a lot for 18 months. So to walk back on stage as a different human, outwardly, inwardly, my relationship to live theater, my relationship to the world. I am a different being. And I have to show that different being to a community that I love so much that I fear may remember me as something else. And I am nervous as I'll get out. So there you have it. I'm thrilled. I mean, it's like the arts in general. We're vulnerable. We're open. We're brave. We're scared. Like, it's just a lot. But keep in mind, my love, that one of the beautiful things about that community, not just the one that's in that room at that given time, but the greater theater community, the greater artistic community, is that you're never alone. But even if in your own artistic experience, uh, there is a greater support system. And everyone in that room and everyone watching has lived through their own version of these last couple of years. When I think back to the moment that you won the award, I didn't see Cher. I just, I saw you. I think that when you walk back out on stage to present someone else with that extraordinary life-changing moment of their own, I think the community will see you. Just embracing where you're at, which is a really hard thing to do, but I mean, it's the tagline of our podcast, Love Where You Are Now, right? Which is a really hard thing to do. The struggles that that you spoke of, the joys that you spoke of, the challenges that you spoke of, feeling stuck, all of those things are going to help you just like theater is evolving to this new place, which is a painful process. It's going to help you evolve to this new place. And the next role you do is going to be richer and more, more filled with depth and beauty because of the lessons that you've been learning over these last 18 months. They haven't been easy for anyone. So everyone's coming in changed. Right. The less and, we're all learning the lessons, they may just be slightly different. And it is, it's really hard to sort of be the face of that, right? I mean, the rest of us have got to have our 18 months and our metamorphoses, whether they were good or bad, more privately. But you're sort of out there being the face of it. And that's pretty terrifying. You have to remember that anything that you've learned is just going to improve wherever you're going forward. If you embrace it and take it with you, if you fight it, then you're in trouble. And I think that when you step out, I'm not to speak for what your experience will be, and you see that same view, albeit different than you did two years ago, if you can take a breath and, and accept where you're at, release expectation and just love where you are now. If we went back to every part of our life and saw it the same way, how boring would that be? That's true. You want to experience from a whole different angle. You want to know it from different angles because then you have something to offer. 
It's funny, especially sometimes when I'm editing these episodes and I can, you can make yourself sound smarter or take out the stutters and you can make it all perfect. Oh, I ask some, you to do that for me all the time. But, but I think by allowing some mistakes to stay in, you grant others permission to be human and make mistakes too and, and age and learn and grow and change and morph and feel pain and be up and be down. By being that and being out there with that, you give people permission to do the same thing. And then it becomes real. Then it's real. There's this great yoga phrase that says, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. Oh, my goodness. I have always been a theater nerd. This is not a speech. It is a journal entry from when I was about 12 or 13, talking about how I just wanted to desperately be part of this community and what it might feel like to win a Tony Award. And 30-some years later, I stand here and I would tell that little girl, it was nothing that you expected and everything that you needed. Thank you to the American Theater Wing and the Broadway League for this honor and this incredible view, oh my God. And to God for my life. Um, to the goddess Cher for her life and her legacy. (laughs) To all those who gave their their time, their talent, their treasure to bring this story to the stage, to Jason Moore and Rick Ellis, all of our designers, all of our creatives, the great Bob Mackey, to my backstage team, Kate Sorg, Mel Hansen, Kyle Skillen. I have 29 costume changes and it does not happen without those three people. To my representation, Tim Marshall, Don Berg, Lisa Lucemore, and I love you, Patrick and John. To my voice teacher, Jill Goodsell, she is an angel, I love you. To my parents who always said, follow your heart. Baby Vivi, mama won a trophy, but like I always tell you, it's not about winning, little girl. It's about showing up, doing your best, loving all people, and finding joy along the way. And to Sebastian, my husband, you are more than I could ever deserve, and I'm telling this on national TV. If you ever leave me, I'm going with you. Thank you very much. Again, it was nothing like I expected, but everything that I needed. I also, right at the end, talking to Vivi, it's about showing up. And that's what I'm doing. I'm showing up. I certainly recognize the honor of being asked and saying yes, for some reason, felt like a really brave act for me right now in this moment in my life. Um, flying cross country, that's a big thing for me right now in my life being without Sebastian and Vivi for four days, which we've not been apart in this 18 months. That is a big thing for me in my life. Being in New York by myself is a big thing for me in my life. Putting on a gown and reintroducing myself to this community is a big thing. And I haven't voiced that You know, I just kept saying the Tonys, the Tonys. But when you add up all of the sum of those parts, it makes for a what could be an overwhelming experience. And I think that's what these well of emotions are, perhaps less of the expectations and much more of just the saying yes, acting on it and moving forward. 
What other questions? Because this went real deep and I wasn't expecting all that. We started out with lipstick and jewels and somehow well, ended I mean, up. I can light it, I'll, I'll light it up right now. Tonight, if you were wearing a lipstick, what would you name it? Okay. It is going to be red. Oh, you're doing lipstick, not nail polish color. I'm so yeah. Oh, oh, oh did I switch it on you? Oh, no, that's right. okay. I like it. I like this lipstick. Sebastian, have you listened to our podcast? <laughs> of I, have. I don't want her to answer trying, the nail polish one. I was one. trying to be cute. Okay. And I meant to be saying nail polish. But no, okay. I like I like that it's of lipstick course. because we'll answer the nail polish one for our Thanksgiving special. So, okay, okay, then here so. we go. It's called, all ego aside, but the reigning queen. <gasps> yeah. Or it could be going out with a bang. What do you think? <laughs> I like the, the reigning queen. For a hot second, but then I, I have like to, baby, you know, I have the to reigning it. queen. Okay. All right. All right. Oh yeah. Either I way, like that red does seem right. Going out with a bang or the reigning queen. I like it. I like it too. It could be an Instagram. Maybe we need to have people vote and see what they think. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. Guys, this, uh, this became emotional and I'm thankful. And I was able to use my stream of consciousness and talk things out. And um, I didn't see that coming, but I'm grateful. Well, congratulations to all the yes. non-nominees. Happy, happy Tony Awards, everybody. So if this episode resonated with you, please follow, subscribe, and share. You can always find us at stagespodcast.net. A big thank you goes out to our assistant and doer of all things technical, Saren Cho. Thank you to Noah Kaiserman and Garrett Healy for our beautiful original music. Melanie Von Trapp for our Stages Podcast logo. Brock Grenfeld, our sound engineer. And Allison Arns, our PR and social media expert. And thank you, our cast members, for joining us today. We hope you come back next week. <laughs>